Hey everyone, this is David Ferrer, and you're listening to Café con Leche. Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome to Café con Leche. This is episode three. Thank you so much for choosing to hang out with us. Um, just, you know, once a, once a month we are able to put out episodes and we hope that this content has been helpful to you. Um, in case you haven't listened in a while, what we're doing this year is that we are uh, doing interviews every time. So I was able to have my sister on for the first episode. Last episode, I had a good friend of mine, Misael Galway. He's a friend, he's a brother, and he's actually back with us today. Misael, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me again. Ah, dude, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you. It was an honor to talk with you last time. Last time we discussed um, loss, we discussed legacy, um, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. So um, we went through a series in our youth group that we called Tough Questions, and we had the students um, write in on an index card a question that they thought was tough, whether it was about drugs, it was about things going on in the United States, things that have happened to them, things that they have seen in the Bible that they didn't understand, and we had probably over between 50 to 60 responses or around there. And so what we did after that is that we took those questions and we picked the most popular ones and we just made a series on it. And we started answering these tough questions um, with what we could see in scripture. And so Misao, you were able to share with us on a few of those questions. And I thought, you know, especially for our listeners, if you just because you heard me say that it was for students, doesn't mean it doesn't apply to everyone. I think even as an adult, you can have these questions as well, or maybe at one point in your life, you've had a question like this. Yeah. So today, Misael, let's work through these questions, and I encourage you as a listener, stay involved, stay engaged. Don't just turn this episode off because we're answering questions. Like I mentioned, this may be a question that you have, and in our faith, we can have questions, but the great thing is that God's given us his word to go to so that we can have those questions answered, and so we're going to do that yeah. today. Before we do that, though, Misael is going to pray for us, that God would speak to us, that he would speak speak to you, and um, that together we would grow in our faith, that we would grow in the Lord. So Misa, would you lead us in prayer? Yeah, of course. Father in heaven, Abba Father, we thank you so much for this, this opportunity to share the gospel, share your, about you to everyone that is listening. I pray for David and I in this moment in this room and for everybody that is listening whenever they are going to listen to this. I pray that through the Holy Spirit, you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, and that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding. And that Holy Spirit, you would speak through us and that you would answer these questions in our hearts and be rid of the doubts and fears and anxiety that the devil wants to take advantage uh, um, and bring into our lives because of things we don't know the answer to, God. I pray that you would answer this and it would bring clarity, it would um, strengthen our faith, God, open our eyes, and that we wouldn't, wouldn't just encounter your word, um, but that we would encounter Jesus in your character, in your person, in your love, in each and every single one of these things. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you and we give you the glory. Amen. 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 Well, I'm excited, bro. Uh, before we do that, I did tell you I was going to mention this. Um, we are drinking coffee. For yes. those of you that have wondered if while we're doing podcast recording, if we drink coffee, we are drinking coffee right now. Now, have I done that with every guest? No, I have not. So if you've been a guest on before, my apologies. If you come back on, we will have coffee for you. Um, the second thing was, I think you mentioned you were going to do a plug or something like that. Absolutely, man. Yep, go this ahead. is not my first podcast that I've been in. I just want to just, you know, just mention real quick because it's a sin that I didn't do it last time. You all got to listen to MAP, MAP. It's Movie Amigos Podcast. It's a, um, it's a podcast with my brother Juvenal Gila, the children's pastor of my church, and Josh, the media director of my church. And um, yeah, they just made a podcast about movies. So if you like movies, check them out. MAP, Movie Amigos Podcast. Very nice. Very Absolutely. nice. I'm glad that you did They that. might be cringing listening to this. No. Yeah. Never. Am I get mad at me for doing that? Never. Um, all right, so we're going to get ready to dive in, Misa. And awesome. I'm grateful that we had the last podcast to learn a little bit about you, a little bit about what you're doing. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to that episode, I encourage you to, because you'll learn more about Misael, what he has going on. As he mentioned, he's a pastor. Um, he's got a church over in Cape Coral, and I know that he's doing a great job. You guys are in the middle of a building project right now. This yep. is amazing. Amazing yep. things happening. So today, we're going to work our way through these tough questions. And the cool thing, Misa, is that when we did it on that youth night, um, there was a little bit more of a time constraint. But with this, mm. if you want to expand a little bit more, 
we want to spend a little more time on a, on a certain question or a couple of questions, that's fine. we got the listeners, and let's just go for it. Yeah, and if it's cool, I want to mention just something that I mentioned that day, that night. Um, it is extremely important, first of all, to understand, like you said, it's okay to have questions, right? We, we're, we're meant to be able to have the confidence to go up to God and ask these questions, but to be very careful not to question God. There's mm-hmm. a big difference, right, between having a question, bringing a question to God, right, asking him a question, and then questioning him are two absolutely different things. But the cool thing about this is that this gives us the knowledge that we need to not question him. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what this is preventing, this, this kind of thing. So thank you for doing this for all your listeners. All right, let's go ahead and let's dive in. So the first question that you covered that night, why does God allow us to experience hard times? Misa, I've heard this time and time again in church. I'm sure you've heard the same, even with people that are not in church, people that we've worked with. If God is so good, why does he allow us to experience hard times? Why do we experience hard times? Uh, You know, the best answer is in the verse, right? In the verse itself, the the one that I used that night, which is 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 to seven, verses six to seven, um, the NKJV says, in this you greatly rejoice, though not for a little while. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Long story short, God, God sometimes, it is God who places us through tough times, right? Obviously, Jesus, um, it says after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit took him mm-hmm. to the desert. It says to be tempted by Satan, right? And a lot of times it is necessary for us to experience these things because it strengthens, it strengthens our faith, right? It, it allows us to, um, to, to learn something about God that we wouldn't have learned in when everything is lovey-dovey, when everything is butterflies and flowers, and then also, we leave that situation with a testimony, with an example that we can share with the world. And we can, if I went through depression, or, you know, not to say that God gave me depression, right? But even, even the times that God isn't the one that takes me through that, because there are things that we go through that it's not God who, who purposely takes me through that. But maybe it was my sin, maybe it was my mistake, and then now I'm in this situation, and maybe I repented, but I'm still in this situation now. And the Bible says that God works all things together for our good. So whether if it was Satan that brought something on you, maybe if it was you that messed up, maybe it's God that placed you through a situation on purpose, it doesn't matter. God can turn all of that around, right? And at the end of the day, you leave with a testimony. So if I went through depression, I can later in the future help someone who doesn't know Jesus, who has depression, and let them know Jesus took me out of depression do you want to know Jesus? That's right. And that's just one out of a thousand million examples that we could talk about. And for the love of other people, God sometimes allows us to go through these things. And a lot of people may be like, oh, well, you know, I didn't, you know, why do I have to go through problems for the sake of other people who don't even know God, who don't even love God? I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, you did. You did <laughs> sign up for that. You, you know, you're, we're singing, you know, the song, I surrender. You know, we're just like... I want to know you more. And then the part where it's like, you know, have your will in me, have your way in me. I surrender. You, right there, you signed up for that. <laughs> the day you gave your life to Christ, you took up your cross, denied yourself. And, and we're supposed to do that daily, according to Luke 9, 23. So you did sign up for it. You mm-hmm. just said, use me. I'm a vessel. And we sing all these beautiful lyrics. And then when God actually wants to do it, which requires a lot of times going through pain, we're like, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that, you know. But it's not because God hates us. He, he loves us. And the promise isn't that we won't go through bad times, right? The promise is you will go through bad times as much as the person in the world will go through bad times. So then what's the benefit of being, you know, being in the Lord, being a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, besides going to heaven forever, right? Right. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that with God, you have the guarantee you will always make it through that. That's the difference. The world doesn't have that guarantee. Right. Right. We have the guarantee that we will always make it to the other side of the stormy lake. Right. That's, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, we, I, we just deviated. I think it's simply put, and I, you know what I thought about as you were um, 
singing that song from Hillsong. There's a song from Maverick um, City Music uh, where they talk, I, I want to be tried by fire, purified, mm-hmm. to be whatever you desire. Yeah. Lord, here's my life. What a, what a great song. But also, what a really mm-hmm. dangerous song. Yeah. Like, there's a part where he says, clean my hands, please purify my heart. I mm-hmm. want to burn for you, only for you. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that we make this our prayer. Just like he said, Father, I, I want to be used by you. God, help me to grow. And a lot of times, if you think about, uh, we've talked about working out before. When you work Absolutely. out, the pressure that you put your muscles under, you notice that you're sore the next day. Well, usually. you're tearing, you're right. literally tearing the muscle fibers. Right. And so for that, so that you can be stronger, so mm-hmm. that your muscles can grow or be developed, all that good stuff. And so essentially it's the same thing with our faith. And it talks about in that verse that you mentioned, it talks about our faith. Mm-hmm. And so I find it amazing that all the scenarios you mentioned, right? Because it's, sometimes it's life that God allows us just to go through, like moments mm-hmm. that he allows us to face. Sometimes it's decisions that we made, but there's a beauty in the fact that God can take it all mm-hmm. and use it for our good. Like, Absolutely. To me, that's amazing. His power is awesome that he can take any situation and he turns it around for your good. Be it that you submit to him, be Absolutely. it that yeah. you trust him right it's not Mm -hmm. that we just all right god whatever happens happens i'm gonna keep doing what i want to do no there's there's a point to the things that we face in life and lessons that we're absolutely so super important so why does god allow us to experience our times greatly explained another one that was at or a question that was there that night what could god be preparing me for that i have to go through so much pain yeah. Man, I think there's a lot of people that think that. It's situations and moments where the pain is so much more greater than anything they've ever faced. Mm-hmm. Like what could be what could be ahead? You know, how would yeah. you answer that one? So obviously whoever asked this question um knows the first answer. So it's like, okay, no, I get it. God is preparing me for something, you know, he's trying to use me, so I have to go through pain. Mm-hmm. But now this person is asking, but why so much pain? Right. Right. And so this is, this is, it's so simple, right? If I'm going through pain that prepares me to be stronger in faith and it gives a greater testimony for someone later in the future, the more I go through that, the greater my calling. It's that simple. The more, the more, if I'm going, if God is preparing me through pain and then he gives me a lot of pain, guess what that means? That means that the other side is just as just as big mm-hmm. as the pain you're going through. The amount of people reached could be bigger. The, the, the miracle could be bigger, right? The, you know, the, the testimony at the end could be something that lasts generations. Mm. We really absolutely, we don't know. You know, the, the thing that we have to understand, you, when you ask these questions is, again, you know, you can ask God that question, but don't question the God you're asking mm. this question to. You have to, by faith, accept God is always going to be good, and he loves me. And if he thinks that my life needs to face this much pain, right, then I am going to trust that he knows best. Mm. Now, a lot of times, we make it worse. You know, a lot of times, you know, we would have been over this trial, but we were going, we were just not submitting. And a lot of times, we can do that. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the point as well. You know, God places you through this so that you would submit. You know, we're all going to go through storms, but a lot of people will put their their sails with the wind and a lot of them contrary to the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like you're going to get to the other side one way or another. You're you're going to get there kind of like, oh, you know, beaten and everything, but, you know, you made it. Or you're going to get there like like Paul, like on a... <laughs> On a, on a floating piece of wood, but you're still going to make it. Yeah. You know, how much are you going to submit in the storm? You know, first of all. So a lot of times it's us that make it worse. Mm-hmm. And we allow it to because we, we're, not, we're not submitting to him and we're not allowing him to do whatever what he wants in the middle of the bad situation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, other times you're like, Misa, trust me, I've submitted as much as possible and still this doesn't end. Well, then at that point, you just have to, you have to come to the only conclusion. God is preparing, if this is, if pain is preparing me for something, then what he must be preparing me for is for something so big that I can't even comprehend it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, um, there's this moment when in the beginning of my, and you know what, I, I, I sometimes doubt if I should share this with people, but it's coming into my mind now, I think this is the Holy Spirit. There's a moment in the beginning of when I became the pastor 
that I was always like, you know what, God, like, I want a different kind of ministry. I don't want, what, what's the point of having a huge, huge church? Why is that the goal of every pastor? Why, why wouldn't, it, instead of having a 10,000-member church, wouldn't it be smarter to have 10, 1,000-member church and have a pastor over every one of those? You know, because what I don't, I don't want this big thing just so that I can, you know, we don't want a big church so that we can say we have a big church. Mm. You know what I mean? And so in my desire to be humble, my desire to be humble, I was telling God what to do, <laughs> which <laughs> is pride, right? And then God spoke to me so strong in that moment. I was praying and then he, the power of God came over me and I was, I fell on my knees. I was shaking out of fear. I didn't want to even look up. And God spoke to me so strong in my heart. He says, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me how many members I'm going to give you and how many I'm not going to give you. Hmm. And so in that moment, I understood. I was like, okay, God, show me. What is it that you want to do then? And what I, what I had him, I'm only going into details of what I saw, but what I had in my mind, what, what I saw, sorry, was so much greater. And I'm not just talking about numbers or nothing like that. I, it's the vision he has is so much bigger than what I imagined. And then everything that, we, you know, last episode, we were talking about this, everything that my dad went through and the way that I grew up kind of all started making sense. You know, all that pain, all those years, now kind of makes sense now. All of that was preparing for something great, something so much more than I could ever imagine. And I look back now and that pain is just, it's worth it. Wow. I'm like, that, that is so worth it for, for these people to know Jesus. And for, and for this to happen or, you know, for everything he showed me in that vision to happen, it's worth it, you know. I think, <laughs> I think that answers the question. 100%, man. No, I, I appreciate that. I, um, you know, one thing I would say, if, if we could take a little sidebar, you know, in these situations, right, specifically this one, where you feel like you're going through so much pain, and you mentioned the danger of questioning God versus bringing your question mm -hmm. or questions to God. In a situation where you're facing, let's say, so much pain or a regular situation, what are some example or an example you think you could give? Or what does it look like to now I'm questioning God mm -hmm. rather than bringing my question to him? And how can we guard to not just question him, but to bring in a healthy way our questions to him? How do we kind of separate that? So the Bible says that Abraham concluded that God was able to even resurrect Isaac from the dead if he killed them. Mm. So it first it has to do with our will. We have to conclude. Faith has to do with conclusion. Mm. You have to conclude in your heart. You have to decide. God is able. God is good. God is loving. He knows best, first of all. And so that, that, that has nothing to do with God doing something. In you. Like you have to make that choice yeah. to conclude that. But the difference is, you know, obviously, Zacharias and Mary, right? We always use that example. That's the best example in the yeah. Bible. Zacharias told Gabriel, how can that be when this is, meaning, meaning, how would God even be able to do that if I'm old? How can I have a baby? Mary essentially was saying, I know God can. I'm just curious how. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know the, the way but I know that whatever answer Gabriel is going to give me, it's going to make sense. Yeah. Because I'm just curious to know, like, how is it, when is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I know it is going to happen. I know God is able to do it. I'm just curious as to how. Yeah. Compared to God isn't really able to do Is he? Is God able to do this? Right? Or, or like, is God, could God actually be loving you know, compared, you know, when someone comes up to God, how can God be loving if this, right? if he's sending people to hell, if he's just, and it's just like, so is he really loving? And depending on the answer the other person gives you to the question you're asking, you place yourself on the judgment seat and God is being judged mm -hmm. and you're his judge. And that is, well, that is so dangerous. And we all at one point in our young Christian life fell into that. Yeah. And God corrects us. And hopefully this is God telling you nicely, you know, so that it doesn't happen another way. Um, it, it just has to do with conclusion. You know, I concluded in my heart, God, if I'm going through something and the devil wants me to question, can God really be loving if you're going through this? I have to conclude in my heart, he is loving. Yeah. And faith requires for you not to have any proof. 
Faith requires for you to only have one thing, his word. Yeah. And to just decide in your heart, I'm going to believe what he says, even though I have no proof of that besides Jesus saving me. You know, besides what I read in the word. Yeah. You know, and so that God, man, that's why God told Abraham, you're my friend. And God counted it unto righteousness because Abraham didn't have the Bible. We have the Bible. Right. Abraham didn't have Abraham's story. We have Abraham's story. So, and for Abraham to just have concluded, he's going to do it. God is like, Amazing. whoa, that's faith. And so he counted him unto, he was made righteous by faith. Even though Jesus hadn't died to make us righteous yet. Like, it, it's incredible. It's amazing. It really is. No, dude, I think that was really well explained. Um, all right, uh, next question was this. If God is here with us, then why do we have fears? If God is here with us, then why do we have fears? So, man, you know, when I was thinking about this question, it, the, it was, you know, wisdom can sometimes be so simple. Actually, it is simple. The question is, if God is here with us, then why do we have fears? And I remember when I was thinking about the answer, God just reversed the question to me. And he says, yeah, you're right. If I am here with you, why do you have fear? So the question isn't, this isn't a question we're making to God. This is a question God is making to us. Come on. I'm with you. Why do you have fear? And we go back to question number two. You have to conclude. It has to do with your decision to just decide to accept the truth. God is with me. So I'm not going to fear. It, it, you don't have to fear. You understand? Yeah. You don't have to fear. It's an option. It's absolutely an option. Yeah. Well, and uh, not, not, not even going to lie, sometimes in that moment when you're facing a, a situation, it feels impossible yeah. not to fear. There's, there could be a listener right now like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, because in the moment of facing a situation... I just feel afraid, and I love God, but I do feel fear. Um, I do feel a nervousness. I do feel an anxiety, whatever it, it, it might be. But it is an option whether or not we, we sit in that, we stay in that. And I, that's why I'm grateful for the truth of Scripture. That's why I'm grateful for the power, power of worship. I think there's tools that God gives us to not sit there. I mean, what does Scripture say? It says he's not given us a spirit of fear. Yeah. He didn't give that to you, so you don't have to let that stay in your life. So here, I've given you the tools so that you can grow in that. That way, when fear rears its ugly head again, you're stronger now. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't come in as easy anymore, right? Yeah. You grow in your faith. I mean, if, if people really want a practical answer, the Bible says that the love of God casts out all fear. Yeah. The best, an the best thing to do in that moment is run into his arms. By seeking his presence. I'm not talking about a prayer. I'm talking about spending time Come on. in his presence. And like, just tell God, God, I need to encounter your love because your love is the only thing that's going to take my fear away. Come on. Uh, that's probably the best practical thing you could do. I love that. Yeah. So simple, but so good. Yeah. Absolutely so Amen. good. Um, another one. Why does God describe himself? This is such a good one. I really mm -hmm. like this one. Why does God describe himself using things we aren't supposed to feel like anger wrath or jealousy why does he describe himself that way using these words when we're not supposed to technically feel that stuff or what we think you know, i know you'll yeah. explain a little better yeah. but go ahead okay so anger let's talk about anger the first of all we're the bible never says we're not supposed to feel anger so that it already it says actually be angry but do not sin yeah jesus was angry he was a human he was our temple we're allowed to be angry Right? Okay, we just don't sin. God is angry, but he obviously doesn't sin in his anger. Okay, so that already limits that. Wrath. Let's talk about... Let, you know, actually, let's go back. Let's go to jealousy and then we'll end with wrath. Okay. So jealousy. Technically, we are supposed... There are things we're supposed to be jealous for. When we, when we think of jealousy, most of the time we're thinking of the word envy. And God is never envious. Right? Jealousy... If I'm jealous because my fiance is talking to some guy at Starbucks, you know, the guy that took her order, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, and I get jealous, okay, then there's something really dumb going on in my heart, right? That is not the kind of jealousy that God has. Yeah. The jealousy that God, you know, obviously the best example was David. David is married to Bree, right? And if some guy who you know for a fact is in love with Bree, is bringing her flowers, is trying his best to woo your wife, are you not supposed to feel jealousy that causes you to try to protect your wife? Mm. Absolutely. And the Bible says that God feels that for his wife. 
in the Old Testament, he says, Israel is like my wife. And then obviously that was alluding to Jesus and the bride and the church. Jesus is jealous for his bride, mm. right? You are supposed to be jealous for your children, for, your, for the things that are yours with, let's call it, quote unquote, a healthy jealousy, which the Bible calls a zeal, right? Zeal for the word. Elijah had zeal for, the, for, for God, right? And so we are supposed to, in the correct context, feel jealousy for the things I'm jealous for the word, right? I'm jealous for it. When somebody comes in and, a, and I hear a preacher misusing the Bible, that gets me riled up. That really does. And my, my, <laughs> the members of my church know that. I, that gets me so riled up. And so I'm jealous for the word. I'm zealous for the word. And so God doesn't have the envy. He has jealousy for the things that are his. Mm. When the devil tries to come and woo us away from God, right? Okay, so that, you know, hopefully limits that. And when it comes to wrath, the way that it's the best example, you and I are allowed to have wrath if you and I were perfect. It's not, it's not simple because the only person that can have wrath, right, and pour out wrath, which is punishment for something, is someone who would have to be 100% clean of whatever we're guilty of. Yeah. And there's only one who is Jesus and the Father, right? Obviously, they're one person. Jesus, the human, is going to be the judge of every other human, right? At that day on the white throne judgment in the book of Revelation. Because Jesus is the only one mm -hmm. who didn't commit the things we committed. So he has the only right to pour punishment, which is what we call wrath, right? Okay, so if me, Misael, right, if I try to punish someone for slapping me in the face, and then I go and I do that, Right? And I pour my wrath out on that person, right? which a lot of people would call revenge, right? which is a form of wrath, or I guess maybe the fulfillment of wrath, um, human wrath, let's put it that way, because when God does it, it's justice. When I do it, it's revenge. Yeah. Why? Because, because, um, because then God would bring into my mind all the times that I slapped somebody, yeah. or all the times that I hated somebody in my heart, or the times that I messed up, or I hurt other people, and I never got, you know, it's just like... It would be hypocritical for yeah. me to pour out wrath, but because God is perfect and he's the judge, he's allowed to do it. This is why, even, look, in human terms, we have judges, right? And when they execute judgment, right, when they execute judgment, we call that justice, mm -hmm. right? Why? Because that judge is supposed to be impartial, right? That's why we don't, the person who committed the crime isn't punished by the person he did the crime against. He's not punished by that person. He's punished by the system, by, by the judicial system, mm -hmm. because the judicial system, because it's a system, it's supposed to, quote unquote, be, you know, clean of these things, right? So you get a judge who's impartial. And so we don't, we're, technically, that's wrath, because that person was punished for what they did, right? We don't say that that's wrong. Right? Mm -hmm. It just has to do with context. And that, that's the best way to... God is perfect. And we, when we come to that conclusion, if he did something or, oh, how can you do that? Was, you know, send people to hell. Or, he, we have to understand he is perfect. He will never make... Him, there's no person in hell that will be there by mistake. Right? Right. Absolutely. All right. Oh, I love it, man. All right, let's continue. Um, and I, I'm really, I, I hope as you as listeners are really being able to grow and learn. And um, we got a couple more questions we're going to work through here. Um, next question is, why did God die on the cross for us if he knew that we are going to sin? If God knew, right, we're going to sin, why did he die on the cross for us? So the example I use on that day, as I promise before the Lord, right, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Sorry, I, God forgive me. <laughs> but I, I, I promise you. Okay. The Lord gave me this answer. I was driving one day, and God literally gave me this example. I think it was even like the day before I preached. So it was like so good. David and Brianna, you guys wanted to have babies when you got married. Like you knew that at one point you would have babies. Yeah. Did, did you ever assume that when you had that baby... You would never, ever, ever have to correct that child because he did something wrong. No. No. You knew. Yep. For a, you, even, you probably even planned. When I, me, when I'm a father, this is how I'm going to correct my children. Yeah. Because you're already planning. You already know 
that they're going to mess up and they're going to yell. They're going to throw a toy across the room when they're angry and you're going to have to correct them. Yeah. Does that, did that ever stop you from wanting to have children? No. Absolutely not. Why? Because you love them. Yeah. Because you love them. And if I, if I, if I told you, okay, David, you had Josiah, um, you have Ellie Joy, right? I will literally, I will, here are two children that I found that are perfect. They've actually never, ever been angry. They've never thrown a tantrum. They have never thrown a toy across the room. They have never said no. They have never lied. They've never said a curse word. They've never done anything wrong. They eat all their broccoli, right? I will trade you these two perfect children for your two imperfect children. Would you do, would you trade? No. No. Because you, those are your children. And you paid a, well, not you, but Brie paid a price. She literally bled for those children. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, the same thing with God. Right? God, God could have not created humanity. Because the Bible says Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. God could have just chosen not to do it. Because he knew we were going to that we were going to sin against him and that he was going to have to correct us and all these things and that he was going to have to die for us, right? But God was like, it's worth it. <laughs> and and this, this is only going to make us want to love him more. Yeah. There you go. Makes me want to, man. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh, that's so good. Uh, all right, so another one kind of goes along with that. Why does God forgive us so much? Why does God forgive us so much? Judas Smith said of us, and you know, like, it's crazy. I've been quoting Judas Smith like crazy. The greatest challenge of faith is not going to be to open seas, resurrect the dead. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly how he said it, but right. to, to, you know, heal the sick, to heal cancer. The greatest challenge of faith will be could there to believe, could there be such a love as this? Could there really actually be a love so great, so unconditional, as God able to forgive us over and over and over again and still love us the same. And that's, that's going to be something that we find out forever. Blows my mind, man. It really does. I love that quote from him too, man. He's absolutely I need to find amazing. the actual, like, how he said it word for word because he says it best. <laughs> Gosh, man. Um, God is so big. How does he make time for little me? And I think, you know what? This sounds... Like a childish question, mm -hmm. but I think even as adults, it can be easy to slip into this mentality with situations that we face, with struggles that we have, things that we find ourselves in. Like God is so big, why does why would I or why would this matter to Him? Mm -hmm. So how does He have time or make time for little me? Well, you know, th this question is so simple. It has to do with a God who is infinitely. You know, uh, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Omnipotent, sorry. You know, there's a whole battle on how to pronounce omnipotent or omnipotent. Um, he is literally, his. he is the only person who can have 120% attention on every single person at the exact same time. Yep. He gives David 100% of his attention, and he gives Misael. 100% of his attention. And, you know, our minds can't understand that. Right. And my dad, my dad said, if you, if you achieve to understand God, he ceases to be God. Yeah. You know, if my eight-pound brain, if I can fit God in my eight-pound brain, that he's not worthy of my praise. He, <laughs> but he's, you know, my, my brain, compare your brain to the size of the planet of the earth. God literally breathed the planet into existence. And so that God is able to give me and every other human and every, you know what? Scratch that. He gives every atom in existence, mm. right? Every atom and cell in existence, 100% of his attention. Because the Bible says that he sustains every single thing. He sustains it with the power of his word. Mm. Every single thing. He's holding every atom together. If he loses his grip, we all turn to dust. Yeah. In worse or less than dust, we we turn to nothing. Yeah. But that God has a hundred percent of his attention on every single one of his children. Yeah. And not just children. Even more than that, he says, if not a bird falls from the air without God being present for their funeral. Yeah. How much more each human being? 
That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And I, I feel like there's a simplicity to that question um, because of the fact, like, I feel like we forget that like, he's God. He's, he's God. Like, he can yeah. do anything. Like, we watch movies about superheroes. We watch abilities that they have. In our minds, we're like, that can't really happen. That'll never really happen. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes we take that thinking from that movie or from that thing, and we apply it to God. Like, mm-hmm. we put limits. He has no limit. God has zero limit as far as what he can do, besides the limits he's placed on himself because he's God, right? But he's able to do that. He can be everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. He can give you 100% of his attention and me 100% because yeah. he's God. I can't yeah. do that, especially because I'm a man and you're a man. It's really difficult to do that, yeah. right? It's multitasking is really hard. Hey, it's funny. We were just talking about that earlier. Anyways, um, all right. How do I keep my faith in a God who lets bad things happen? If I'm not mistaken, this one you spent a little more time on. Yeah, this is the long. This is this is the harder one. Okay. But I think I have like a, a summarized version. I no, I love this one, man. You go dive into it. Let's go. Okay. Or, and repeat it just so everybody knows the question that we're about to go yeah, into. So how do how do I keep my faith in a God who lets bad things happen? You know, so trigger warning, right? There's you know we obviously think about world hunger, we think about sex trafficking, we think, we think about people who get robbed and murdered, innocent people, uh, terrorist attacks, we think about, we think about um, people who get raped and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that, all of those things are so horrible, horrible. And there, there's an example, man, well, I was supposed to give some rights. Um, all, those, all my church members are laughing right now. Um, every time I promise it's gonna be a short message, <laughs> it actually ends up being longer. I think it's the irony of God. Um, there's an example in the Bible that actually I read shortly, and I, I didn't plan it. I was just reading through the Bible, and I and it was shortly before the, my my preaching at your youth group. There was this there was this um, this couple in the Old Testament, in the I think it was in the Book of Judges. Um, they went to travel. I'm sorry, they got married. And the, they had a fight, and the, the, the lady went back to her father's house. You know, they got an argument. So he goes to her father's house, like, cities away, and tries to convince her, and then they make up. This is in the Bible. This actually happened. They make up, and they're about to leave to go back home, and they have to travel. And the father of that woman constantly, constantly, hey, no, stay another day. And I said, okay. So the next day, stay, stay one more day. And so every day, it's just one more day. And the man got tired. He was like, you know what? Let's sneak out. Let's just go because your father's going to keep us here forever. They go. They travel. They end up in the city. They have to rest. And long story short, the woman, there's these thugs that live in that city in the, in the tribe of Benjamin. And she gets raped. It says that he actually, the husband threw her to them so that he would be saved. Right? And it's, you know, it was horrible how it happened. It actually describes he, when he gets out, he's like, okay, let's go. He opens the door, and she's on the doorstep dead. She's dead. And it's horrible. And I'm just like, God, why is this in the Bible? I'm reading this, and I'm just going like crazy. I didn't know this was in the Bible. And um, it turns out that the people of Israel, all the other 11 tribes of Israel, got heard about this story. It went crazy, went everywhere. And they got so upset, they actually waged war against the tribe of Benjamin. And they killed everyone, except for like a few men, so that the tribe of Benjamin could survive. And they let them have wives from other countries, so that the, the tribe of Benjamin, you know, the people of Israel would have been 11 tribes instead of 12, hmm. if they would have slaughtered everybody. And it was, they were like, we, this is a horrible story. And the reason why is because the tribe of Benjamin didn't want to give those men up. So they were like, if you don't give those men up, then we're going to come against the whole thing. And then at the end, God was like, you see right there, that's, there's my justice right there. And I was like, God, but why did you let it? And then God brought into my memory the father, the dad who kept begging, don't leave. And then God was like, that is me. I don't want these things to happen. It hurts me. This is because when it happens to these people, these are my creation. I love these people, and I hate for this to happen. So it's kind of, then the question is, okay, God, if you're crying just as much when these things happen, why do they happen? You're God. You can step in. You can do whatever you want. Wrong. That's, that's where a lot of, and a lot of people, oh, my gosh, blasphemy. You know? <laughs> God has 
the power to do it. Yes, the ability to step in and stop world hunger with a snap of his finger, right? Reverse Thanos it, right? Except that God doesn't have the authority to do that. <laughs> Why? How could you say that? You got people turning up their volume yeah, right now. Right like, there. what is this guy about to say? Yes. This is biblical. And this is this is this answers so many questions in the Bible. All right, so to clarify, you are saying God has the power to do that, but not the authority. He doesn't have the jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. He, he doesn't go. have when we say authority, he doesn't have the jurisdiction, he doesn't have the right. Why? Okay. Because God gave that right up. Hmm. Right? You're oh wait, when he gave man free will? Yes and no. No. He did give man free will. But God it says in Genesis one twenty eight. Right? That God blessed them and multiplied them. And he told them, be fruitful and multiply. It says, uh, uh, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the living creatures. Right, So he told Adam and Eve, here is authority. Whatever happens, look at the Bible says in Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the servants of prophets. So God cannot do anything on earth before first telling somebody. Before first involving, and not just anybody, it doesn't say evangelist, it doesn't say priest, it doesn't say Levi, it doesn't say king, it doesn't say pastor, it says prophet. Why? Because the prophet's only job is to speak. And the thing is that we were made in God's image and likeness, so that we look like him and we operate like him. Okay. How does God operate? He speaks, right? So whenever something is spoken, it can happen. It opens the door for it to happen. The Bible actually says in Psalms, um, 115 verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. There's actually another verse in Psalms that I didn't include that it, it, it says, lift up your heads, ye eternal gates, lift up your heads, ye doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. He is the uh, king of glory. He is the king. Of, all right. So it says that we need to lift up our heads. And God can come in, hmm. right? God couldn't even save humanity as God. He had to become a man to do that, right? So God established a, a point right there, right? I will not do anything on earth without using and including a human being. Hmm. This is where prayer becomes even a thing. Why is prayer even a thing? Why doesn't God just step in and do things without us even having to pray at all? Why? Because God established, if you pray it on earth, then I will do it. And Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who art there in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why do we even have to pray that? Why doesn't he just come anyways? But he actually says, no, 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 I need you to do that. And then he builds this church, and then he inhabits the church with the Spirit, and then it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. So Jesus Christ can't even come in his second coming if we don't even call out for it. Wow. Right? So God, established, God placed a limit for himself, and there's only one person he obeys, and that's himself. Mm. And if he said, I will not operate on earth without man, and then he breaks that same law, he becomes a liar. Yeah. And now he obviously did that. With Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had authority. They were the prince of the age. But it's like, wait, I thought the devil was the prince of the age. Yes, because he, he usurped it from them. Mm -hmm. He stole the keys from them. And then when he tempted Jesus, he says, you see all, this kingdom, all these kingdoms? The authority, it says in Luke, the authority to these kingdoms was given to me, was handed to me. I can give it to whoever I choose. That's where the devil lied, mm -hmm. that he would give it to Jesus. right? Not that he has those keys, right? And then the Bible says that Jesus Christ dies, resurrects, and when he, after, only and exclusively after he resurrects, is when he says, all the authority has now been delivered to me. And so he, that, it says, on heaven and on earth has been delivered to me. Therefore, go in my name. So there is one who is now the prince of the age. And a lot of people don't know that. Jesus, is, uh, the devil is no longer the prince of this age. The Bible, Jesus says, before he dies, the devil is about to be judged. The prince of this age is about to be judged and cast out. And then Jesus Christ dies and resurrects, and he says, now I have the authority. And now this prince is a different prince. He is one of peace. We call him the prince of peace. And the government is on his shoulder, it says in the book of Isaiah. 
okay, so then why isn't everything right? Here's the problem. He left. <laughs> he left. He, he ascended to the right hand. But he didn't do it before first leaving ambassadors mm -hmm. that have the authority to use his authority. We don't have any authority in and of ourselves. We only have the jurisdiction or the right to use his name. And his name is the one that right. is what contains all the authority. Right? So we are his body. And so we're like, okay, so then why doesn't God just end world hunger? And God on that day of judgment will look at us and he will say, why didn't you? Francis Chan says that if just the church in the United States of America faithfully tithed, every person that says they're a Christian, faithfully tithed, just the church in America would be able to end world hunger instantly. And we cry out, why? Why is people dying of hunger with our iPhones in our pockets and our subscriptions to Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and HBO Max? Mm. While there's people out there. Okay, well, Misa, I understand. What about rape? What if, you know how many people we've preached to that the devil would have turned into rapists? But they didn't because somebody preached the gospel to them. Mm. What, if, what if the church actually woke up and realized the authority we have in spiritual warfare, intercession, and in preaching the gospel? That we use our finances the way that we're supposed to. And the church actually got moving. And we actually started preaching everywhere we went to the point where they're trying to kill us for it. Right? But how many rapists wouldn't have become rapists? How many robbers and thieves wouldn't have become that? if we would have preached the gospel to them years before they became that. And so God is like, whatever happens on earth is because hum humans have allowed it. And I'm doing my best to lift up my church so that they would get moving and stop these, thing these things from happening. Oh, man. That's so good, bro. Oh, my goodness. We could pray right now. <laughs> Altar call right now. The church needs to wake up, man. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Okay, and then the last two questions, thank you for going through that, and I encourage you, as you've been listening to that, you may find yourself in this spot of like, what did he just say? <laughs> and you may, all you may remember right now is that he just said that, you know, God has the power to do it, but not the jurisdiction, and you're like, okay, maybe I need to stop listening to this podcast, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but go back and listen. Listen to the scriptures that he mentioned. Listen to the explanation that he gave, and realize what God is desiring of his church, how he's empowered his church. There were some golden nuggets. It was all gold, man. Thank you for that. Um, the last two questions that I see here are these, and I, you put them cause, together because they go hand in hand. How do we know if God is real? And then the one after that was, how can we prove God is real? Okay. How do we know if God is real? And how can we prove God is real? Okay, so more and more each year, science is proving the Bible right. Right. More and more each year, archaeology is proving the Bible right. Right. They're finding things that actually happen in the Bible mm. more and more and more. And you know what? I'm one of those conspiracy theorists, guys. Like I know for a fact there's a lot of things that the that are found and then nobody even says anything. We, we don't see this in the news because mainstream media is, is corrupt anyways. But um, we're getting into politics. <laughs> um, OK, so then even if it wasn't that. What if, why doesn't somebody, man, why doesn't somebody just record and make a, make it like a, a video of all the people that have been healed from cancer and literally just tell the testimonies, right? Or a, a video of people getting up from wheelchairs and even though they exist, they exist. Yeah. And then people, oh, that's bogus. They, you know, you can, here's the thing. You can present all of these things to people. The, the, whoever asks these questions, I see their heart, but they're mistaken in something. Proving that God is real is not going to be enough. Like what you actually want, you think, we think, sorry, we, we think that proving to someone that doesn't believe in God that God is real will save them. Okay. And that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, believe God is real and you will be saved. Right? So it's like, get your mind off of trying to prove to people God is real. Right? Because that's not what's going to save them. The Bible says demons know he's real. Hmm. Demons know Jesus is Lord. They know it, but they and they and they tremble before him. But they're not saved, right? The people of Israel couldn't have had more proof, right? They literally saw God wow. come yeah. down on a mountain and they actually heard his audible voice, right? They saw him through with a cloud of smoke and fire. Why smoke? Because if they saw him, they would have died, right? And only Moses went up there 
right? And obviously all that smoke was covering God's face, all of these other things, right? But they could not have more proof. The rock that flowed with water, it actually followed them. Did you know that? It says in the Bible that it followed them. Can you imagine a rock following you, gushing water? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They had bread every morning outside of their camp, right? Like all of, you know, they saw the Red Sea parting. Did they obey? Oh, no. The, right, Moses goes up the mountain after seeing all those miracles, and they start worshiping a calf, a gold calf. Yeah. Right? So, sure, if I can go to someone and I can prove to them God is real, is that going to save them? No, it's not going to save them. Right? Because proof isn't what changes people. The Bible says it very clear. The, Bible, the world doesn't need to be proven God. The world needs to be convinced is the word you're looking for. Conviction is where is how salvation comes in, right? And there's only one person who can do that, and that's the Holy Spirit. Yep. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come, and he will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He will do that. He will convince them that they have sinned. He will convince them of judgment, that of that sin, and he will convince them of the righteousness available through Jesus, in paraphrasing, right? So what people don't need, you see, the reason you and I believe in God is because we have experienced him ourselves. Yep. We have felt, I haven't been healed of cancer. I haven't even seen the Red Sea part. And yet I believe in God and I follow him, right? Because I've experienced his love. I've been convinced in my heart by the Holy Spirit of his love, right? Of who he is. And that's what the world needs. So if we would quit trying to prove God to people and we would preach the gospel to people and tell them the truth how it is, the Holy Spirit would do his part. Hmm. And, and we try to add all this human wisdom. And Paul says it very clear. Human wisdom is foolishness to God. And to man, God's wisdom is foolishness to them. Right? But here's the thing. When you preach the gospel... Why, how, why would I preach the gospel to them if I can't even prove that God is real? To just preach the gospel. Just tell them. You don't need to convince them. Just tell them God is real. And Jesus is real. And he died for you. And he died for you. You sinned against God. And so have I. And we deserve death. And Jesus died for us and took our place. And he rose. And whoever believes in him and accepts him. But in your mind, your mind, you're like, okay, but they're not even believing God is real. So none of this matters. But that's not what God is seeing. Their, their spirit, which is dead, is soaking up that water that you're giving them. Yeah. And something, they're going to leave mad, but there's something inside that's going to start to stir. And then the Holy Spirit will meet them because you presented the word to them. Not, not all this try to prove, you know, that God is real. You just simply presented the gospel to them. Maybe share your testimony. That's fine. Right? That'll do something. But the Holy, you got to rely on the Holy Spirit convincing them. And then, then they'll believe in Jesus. And believing and following Jesus, that's what saves you. Not knowing he's real or not. Right? It's believing and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. Right? So it all comes down to the way that we know God is real is because we've experienced him and because we, we know him personally. And that's what the world needs. They don't need proof. They need encounters. They need, they need to know it for themselves because they've encountered God for themselves. Gosh, man. You know what? One example I think of, um, and it sounded so far away because I was sitting back. One example I think of, I think of, um, you know, when the Holy Spirit came and, you know, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered and Peter got up and he preached. And he preached to those people and he said, you guys are the ones that crucified Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? All of those people meaning that at one point they were not convinced. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Jesus had spoken. He'd done his thing, but they were not convinced. And yeah. then the Spirit came in power and anointing, all that. And now Peter preaches. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that now convinces yeah. them Absolutely. of truth. At one point, they were not convinced. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were angry. A lot of times, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They crucified him for mm -hmm. Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. But the Spirit of God convinced them. Yeah. So there's an importance. I think a lot of times we get in our own heads. As we're communicating, like, and we're telling the gospel, is this enough? Yeah. Like, I, I need to, we feel like we got to do this hat trick. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. a, there's got to be something extra. There's got to be this tweetable thing I say. Yeah. There's got to be this. There's got to be that. And the beauty of the gospel is how powerful it is, even in its simplicity. simplicity. 
Amen. It's so simple yet Amen. powerful. And that's what it, it, it confuses people that something so simple, and God does this, it's a pattern all throughout Scripture, something so simple can be so powerful. Yeah. Something so Amen. simple can transform the hearts and lives. Yeah. So all we got to do is do our part, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's called us to present truth. I believe he's called us to do it in a way that honors and pleases him. Tell people about him. Tell people about what he did for them. Tell people about, yes, they've sinned. They've fallen short. All of that. Tell people about him. Um, and he takes care of the rest. We're not responsible for changing the hearts. The Spirit exactly. of God does that. Exactly. We put that weight on ourselves. Like exactly. If we don't lead them in a prayer, we feel like we failed. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't lead you in a prayer in this moment, I go home. Plant your seed, somebody else will water it, and then God will reap it. That's all about Just do him. your part, yeah. Isn't it, like, wasn't there a portion of Scripture, too, where there were people arguing, and they're like, no, well, it was Paul that ministered or someone yeah. else. Who is it? It doesn't even matter about Paul or other person. It's it's God that does the one. He's the, bring, the one that brings about the fruit. He's yeah. the one that does it all. So I'm rambling now, but there's there's a power in the in the gospel and its simplicity, and this, it's amazing. This Sunday that just passed, I preached about you know the gospel. It was just bringing it in a different light, a lot of the stuff from the school of ministry. And um, it was just, it was that. And at the end, I was like, I mean, that was good, right? But I, the, air, the room kind of feels dry. And we were singing. And then when we were done, a demon manifested. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and someone in the crowd. And we all started, we, we started taking, and then I, you know, not that I was happy that the person was, you know, was... And, you know, but we, we were able to, you know, pray for him and, and he was set free. And then God was just kind of like, you, th you thought that it didn't do anything. And yet the God for, for months, that person has become the church. Hmm. But when you preached the simplicity of Jesus died, he resurrected, you're forgiven. All of a sudden, demons are so unhappy. And they, someone was set free. And I was like, man, dude. The gospel, it, that's the most important message we could preach on a Sunday or yeah. any other day, really. You know, obviously, first, whatever God has for you on that day, but, but the gospel, by, it was, will always be the central message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. What is it? I love what Michael Culliano says, that if you were to give God a megaphone and if he were going to speak for, I forget how much of time, He'd speak Jesus every time. This is my son. Mm -hmm. And like he would always, and essentially that's the gospel. This is my son. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love that. And whom I'm well pleased. My beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And he said it three times, right? It was just talks about the Trinity, right? the, the perfection of God, right? Three different times did a voice come from heaven in the New Testament. And the Father, every time, every third, and it was only those three, because even the book of Revelation was just Jesus. Mm. Right, Jesus a bunch of time, but the the voice of the Father was only heard three times in the New Testament, of the Father. Right, wow. was only heard three times, and each time it was the same message: "This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." Listen to Him, and that's it. Well, things to say, man. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, Misa, thank you so much um, for just sharing and yeah. you know answering these questions. And again, I encourage you as a listener. Go back through, and if there's a particular question that stood out to you, go back and listen to it and pray about it, too. Don't just yeah. take our word for it. We've used scripture, but pray about it, that this word would resonate inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's not by mistake that you're listening today. God's got amazing plans for your life. Continue to submit your life to him, and I, I know that we'll see him or you'll see him work in you. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much, Misa. Thank you again My for being on today. It's a pleasure. Um, and uh, let, why don't we, I'm going to end in prayer today. Yeah. For every listener, let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you for these moments. Thank you that even in a moment like this of a podcast, and for the listeners, wherever they're listening and where, whenever they're listening, God, you're there by the power of your spirit. And I thank you, God, that your desire is to move in their hearts. So I pray, Father, take this word today, these questions that have been answered, and I pray let it resonate in the hearts of the people listening. That, Father, in the name of Jesus, these seeds would take root and that they would grow and that they would bear good fruit. God, thank you that you, O oh Lord, have good plans for the listeners. Thank you that your desire is for them to know you and to have relationship for you with you. And I thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and for taking our place, for dying for us, paying the price that we can never pay. 
you've done this, you've died, you've resurrected. And because of this, we can have relationship with God. Thank you for this, God. Thank you for these moments. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, we love you. We will see you next episode. Have a good one.